Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rebound Founder. In this episode, we have Philip Steman with us. Philip is a founder who started freelancing as a web developer. He transitioned into a CTO role for a startup and that got acquired by a very large corporation. After the acquisition and the handover, he started out on his own journey and is currently building Planzer, which is a task management app that synchronizes your tasks to your calendar. It's an incredible app. It's an incredible episode. Do listen to it till the end. Thank you. Hey, Philip, how are you? Hi, Atvik. I'm good. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. Awesome. How are you doing? Is everything good? Everything is good here. I'm in, in Denmark. So, uh, let's, let's, can you just give a background, like what you have built in the past, what you're building on everything? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think, uh, without telling my entire life story, uh, ever since I was, uh, 13 years old, I've had a huge passion for programming. I think like the, the way that you can just turn some text and some code into something visual that just it sparkled something in me. So since then, I've just been all into programming. And then I've yeah. been through a lot of different things. I started out just building websites for clients and for family and friends. And then I slowly transitioned into being a freelancer, working with clients on their projects. And then I tried to build my own agency at some point, again, still with clients and web, uh, websites. And then... At some point, I transitioned into the SaaS industry um, and I started out by getting a job at a SaaS where we basically tried to build AI on top of Google Ads. And this was way before GPT was out. Um, mm-hmm. So we wanted to be able to generate Google Ads for our clients based on a pile of text we already have and what they were mentioning on their website. So yeah. I was part of that startup for a couple of years. And in that period of time, I learned a lot about myself, how I like to work, how I definitely do not like to work. Um, so that's also why I, 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 at some point, stopped working with them. We made a slow transition. And then I transitioned into simply just working with my own things. Um, so right now I'm working very much at Planza, which we'll also discuss more about yeah. today. But, but my primary background is programming and then marketing is the other part, which is super important, but that's the part I'm trying to, to take on and I've been working on in the last two years. Um, it is a huge subject and you just have to get started and keep on testing. So yeah. that's, that's basically where I am today. That, that's incredible. So uh, what is yes. Planzer? Yes, so, so Planzer is basically a task planning app. And um, the story behind Planzer is, it's a funny story. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I found it very difficult for myself to, to feel gratitude after a day, of, uh, a day of work. And and the reason why, which I later found out, was because I didn't set a goal for each day of a set of tasks that I needed to finish. And as soon as I started yeah. doing that, I felt completely different when I finished my day. And I knew when I was done with the day because I was done with the tasks. So it was actually my girlfriend who taught me 
that basically just, I started with just pure paper. So I wrote down every single morning what tasks I wanted to finish today. And as soon as I finished the task, then I just checkmarked it off. So I had a completely manual paper with my tasks. The problem yeah. was that it was a nightmare in the end to keep track of all tasks. And if I wanted to move a task from one day to another, it was just, it became super time consuming. So that was what sparkled the idea to, to Planter. And then I wanted to build on top of that. So not only is Planter a way for you to plan your days with tasks, I also wanted to be able to pull in tasks from other places because back then I was working with clients and each client had their own project management software. So one client was using Trello, another one was using Asana, and a third one could be using Monday.com, just as an example. And yeah. I had to, every single place, update my tasks, move them into this Kanban board. And it was super time-consuming, and I lost the overview every single day. So I wanted to be able to have one place where I could plan my tasks and basically pull in tasks from all these different project management software. Um, and, and that was basically what plans have become and what it is today and what I continue to develop it is as an app. Yeah. That, the, like most of the products made by Indiacus, which I've seen, and a lot of guests that have come on the podcast, is it the idea basically arised out of uh, pure need for the product by the indie hacker themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And, that sounds. Uh, that sounds very. Uh, I can relate to that. That is for sure. And it slowly they thought that other people might also. Uh, they might also have the same problem, so they put it uh, put it out on. Some work, some don't. But it's all right. Yeah, I think I think that's also the best way to do it because you want your product to solve a problem. And I think if you're not, if you yourself are not the biggest user of your own product, then then you're doing something wrong because you need to be able to yeah. really love your own product and use it so much because not only do you learn a lot from it, but you will also be using it every single day. So you will basically know what to change and what to do and be in contact with your own product every single day. But in the end, it's just all about that your product needs to solve the problem. Because if the problem is not there, it's it's very rare that your product will succeed. Yeah, for sure. The pro if the if the if the problem is not there, then the users are not there. Exactly. Yes. Uh. So what what do you think that instead of using these tools, why won't why shouldn't a person just use normal pen and paper to plan out their weeks, their days, and their months or whatever? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there will still be people who use pen and paper because that's just how they feel most comfortable with. But the problem that I occurred the most was just that it was it was so time consuming and I couldn't I couldn't in the same way synchronize my tasks between my calendar, Monday.com, Trello, etc. I had to every single time write down in my hand manually whether it was a new task which just came in from a client or there was a new task that I had to take care of myself. And every single time you're not done with a task in the end of the day, you had to move it to another day. And then you had to make sure that you had time that day. And if you were sitting 
which I did sometimes. If you're sitting in Sundays and basically planning your entire next week, your week will change a hundred times because stuff will happen and it's okay that it happens. But just the fact that you have planned something makes your brain basically start working on the task without you knowing. But when you have to make changes every single time on a piece of paper, it is super time consuming. And I think that is, that is one of the main differences. The other difference is the time blocking. So with yeah. Planter, you can also basically block time out of your calendar to work on specific tasks. So you're sure that you're not booking a meeting at that point uh, or you're doing something else than, than working on a specific task. So that's the primary differences. Yeah, that, that's a major problem. I, I mainly use, I'm not going to lie, pen and paper, but uh, time blocking all these things are definitely a very big problem. So I, mm-hmm. I slowly have shifted to Google Calendar. But yeah, slowly but gradually. So, uh, what, what do you, uh, do you think that, uh, using Planzer will increase the productivity of the person? Definitely. Now I I can use my myself as a use case, and um, the fact that I can not only plan my entire week effectively where I spend, maybe I spent one and a half hour before every Sunday. Now I spent maybe 10, 15 minutes. So the planning part is of course, super time consuming and makes me pro- more productive. But Plaza also helps me have an overview all the time. And this is super important if you're working with clients, because if you're working with clients, you want to be able to always give them an update and show them that you know what you're working on and how far you are on the different tasks. Because the problem with using multiple software, because each client, at least in my case, were often using their own software, is that it's super difficult to basically have everything under control. You have to use multiple applications for each of these project management software. So it is so easy to lose the overview. So not only will plans make you more productive, it will basically also help you manage all of your tasks for each of your clients more effectively which also results in you being more productive. So yes, definitely. Uh, so what, according to you, what, what is the literal meaning of productivity? Because uh, what I have noticed is everyone, there, there are so many uh, YouTubers, blogs, and all these things that are just shouting or productivity, productivity, productivity. But no one, most of them have drifted away from the literal meaning of productivity. What, what what do you think is that? It's a great question. And I think I think we all interpret it in different ways. For me at least, productivity is it's a it's a state of mind for me. So it's a state of mind in the sense that if I feel productive, then it's because I have fulfilled my tasks that I have planned for the day. And that yeah. can be even if it's only two tasks, if I finish them, then I feel productive. So for me, it's definitely a state of mind. But for others, it might be that they basically just measure it in tasks compared to hours. So they say, if I before could finish six tasks in three hours, if I do that now in two hours, then I'm more productive than before. So at some point, it's also about output. And I think, yeah. I think it's completely fair, but I think it's, it's interpreted in different ways for each person. And there's, I think with productivity, 
it's tough to say whether there's a right or wrong answer, but for me, it's definitely a state of mind. Yeah. So, uh, in short, do you think uh, it means that increasing the efficiency of the person that is productivity? Yeah, that could that could very well be productivity as well. Yes. Yeah. That that was that was a, a pretty good answer. I I think uh, you have a YouTube channel as well. Yes. So what kind of is it related to plans only or productivity or what? Mm, it's not related to plans or completely no. So the YouTube channel was started before plans are. And the idea about the YouTube plans, I have a huge passion for software, for marketing tools, for everything in the web. Um, yeah. And as mentioned, I've been programming since I was 13. So everything about the web, I just, I want to consume as much as possible. So yeah. what I was doing and what I'm still doing is that every single day I'm trying out numerous different tools, both because I want to see if they can help me solve specific use cases, but also because I just want to know what's going on out there both yeah. because often when I test the tool and I learn something new and sometimes I can implement that into Planter in its own way, but I just want to learn. And at the same time, then I was feeling that I wanted to share my passion as well. And I wanted to yeah. share what I was basically testing and looking at with everyone. So that's why I started the YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel is basically marketing tool reviews where I just go through the mm -hmm. product and then I share my thoughts on what the product is well for and what I would change about the product and what use cases it solves, basically. Yeah. Got it. So what, what are the top three tools that you have reviewed on your YouTube channel? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh, uh, um. That's a very, very good question. The first tool that comes to mind is Gleep. And Gleep is it's a funny story. Uh, Gleep started as a very simple bot tracking tool. So what yeah. you could do was that you could simply open up this little Gleep widget, then you could mark something in your SAS, and then you could write some text saying, hey, this is not working. That was what Gleep started with. But they have slowly transitioned, transitioned into an intercom competitor. Right now, you can you can basically build entire email marketing campaigns through Gleep. You can use their live chat. They have release notes. They still have the bug tracking module. You can build roadmaps and so much more. So Gleep is is definitely in the top three because they have just they have developed themselves so so much. I think another one is actually a tool I released today, and that's ConvertBox. And ConvertBox yeah, is yeah, yeah. So ConvertBox is a pop-up lead generation tool. But what differs pop-ups, sorry, what, what ConvertBox does differently compared to others is just that it's a solid platform that lets you design the pop-up just how you want it to be. It's very often that it's the design phase you're locked in how the pop-up will look like. So I think yeah. ConvertBox is, is also in the top three and it's, it's tough to choose to choose a third one. I think maybe yeah. some of the, the first tools that I did. Let me try and think for a second here. Um, okay, there's another one. So I think I think Luna. And Luna was a funny yeah. one because Luna is a cold email marketing platform built on top of AI. 
And I have I am not experienced with it within cold email marketing at all. But Luna yeah. was basically I think it's perfect for beginners because Luna helps you in the entire way. It helps you choose your target group of what type of customers you're trying to acquire. It helps you build out the email with customized text personalized for the person who's about to receive yeah. the email. And then it helps you basically send it out, monitor it, and help you send follow-ups. So Luna is, is this assistant that helps you the entire way. So for me, as a non-expert within code email marketing, Luna was just perfect. It was such a great tool, well-designed, and I know they have developed a lot of more great features since then. So I think I think right now, top of mind, I think that's, that's the top three. Yeah, Luna sounds uh, pretty interesting, actually. I have to check yeah. it out. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's super cool. So, uh, what what do you like? We like you just talked about Luna. What are your thoughts about using AI in marketing and in increasing the productivity of a person? Productivity. Yeah. We'll follow the definition which you follow. Yeah, great question again. Um. I think I think AI is interesting, but we also need to be careful about it. So what I see a lot of people do is that they generate an entire blog post with AI and then they just hit publish and then they never care for it again. And the problem yeah. with that is that AI is, is great. It's really come far, but if if you if you don't give it that last human touch your blog post will simply not perform. It's as simple as that because if you can generate a blog post in five minutes and press publish, then if someone goes in and generates it and spend just one minute optimizing it for SEO, then they will beat you in the search. So I think if we use AI right and, and use it for, we can use it for outlines, we can use it to process a bunch of data that we need an output from, or we need it as an assistant to help us program if we use it for those elements, then I think it's it's a great way. Personally, I use it for as an assistant when I code via GitHub Copilot. Um, but I also use it if I need ideas. I don't use it to generate entire blog posts for, for all of my sites, but I use it yeah. for ideas. If I need a, a title idea, then I think AI can come up with 10 different ideas that I would never have thought of. So I think in, in that sense, AI is super interesting and, and it can help us be more productive, especially processing data. That is something that AI is really great at. Yeah, for sure. So how and what do you think about AI playing a role in increasing the productivity of us in general, in the day-to-day yeah. life? Yeah, I think it's like... If we, if we look at our own, of course, we all have different workflows, but, yeah. but if AI can replace or assist in different steps in our workflows, then ultimately it will increase our productivity because you will feel more accomplished and you will be able to produce more. And, and depending on what you work with, for instance, if you're an SEO marketeer, of course, it's, it's just perfect for you to work with, with AI because it can help you do your research for you. It can help you come with ideas for titles, maybe make an outline for you. But at the same time, if you're working with data, whether you are a reporter, journalist, or maybe a data scientist even, 
then the yeah. fact that AI can process so much data so much faster than we can maybe program an algorithm to do so that's yeah. again it's it's replacing a step in our workflow it's not replacing the entire workflow but it is assisting us in taking a step that before would take a long time to compromise it down and maybe it's going to take a couple of minutes um, so as long as we see AI as an assistant to help us in our workflow, then we can we can basically increase our productivity. Yep, that's a great answer. So, so let's let's drift over and let's talk about this Google Ads AI start where you worked. Mm -hmm. so is it, is it uh, still alive? Yeah, it was acquired by a larger company, and they continued working on it in in a different way. So it is still running today but I don't know exactly how they're developing it and in what direction, but it is running this. How did you uh, get into the startup? Because uh, you were in nowhere related to anything like Google Ads or anything? Correct, correct. So the way I got into it was basically through networking. So they were looking for a CTO and I was looking for a new challenge. And yeah. even though I'm not related to marketing or Google ads, then I know my way around programming and I know how to manage a team from when I was trying to build the agency. So I was a decent fit for, for, the, for the position and everything related to Google ads, I would be able to learn because they had Google ads experts in-house. They just needed the, yeah. the technical knowledge and that was what I brought. So they, they called me in and we had a conversation back and forth and we ended up trying it out for a couple of months, both for me to see if it was a match, but also for them, of course. And then we ended up working together a couple of years. Got it, got it. So like a question completely off topic, but uh, like you mentioned uh, that you were working on your own agency. So do you yes. think that the agency market is saturated right now because almost every one in three people that are business owners are running agencies from what I've seen. I think that's an excellent question. Excellent question. I think it's, it's tough to say because um, I see new agencies created every single day and I can see that they are succeeding in the long run. I think starting an agency the way people do it and why they do it. Of course, they have a passion for what they do, but you can you can get started for fairly low budget. It's super easy to get started. You just have to invest your time in it. Um, but whether it's saturated or not, I think that's a great question. I think we just see more and more niches every single day. And um, as long as you specialize in something where the market is not that saturated, then you can easily create an agency. I think we'll see a lot of, Newer agencies work with GPT because yeah. already now we can see positions popping up where people they want someone in house who knows how to use GPT with the commands, etc. So I think I think we'll we'll continue to see more agencies. And even though from from my point of view it is saturated, at the same time there's still room for more agencies as long as they they have an edge or they specialize in something where there's maybe some wiggle room in there. Yeah. So, uh, but there, from what I see, like web design agency and web development, web development agencies, mm -hmm. they are in abundance right now. Because, I mean, I can't even remember the names 
there are so many that I see on Twitter only actually. Yeah, yeah, that is that is absolutely true. Within web development and web design, there is such a big amount of agencies, both on Twitter but also on on Upwork and Fiverr, and there yeah. are so many agencies. Uh, that is absolutely right. I think I think there's still room for for marketing agencies. That is also one of the more difficult disciplines because with web development, you set a project and you build the project and then you're done. It's super easy to measure on, but with marketing, it's just a complete different story. So, so yeah, I completely agree with you within web development. It is definitely saturated. Yeah. So like one point which I try to talk about with a lot of guests that uh, come on the podcast is the reason why people think that marketing is hard um, is because there's no set path. Like if you talk about programming and uh, design, there's a set path and set and set uh, industry standards which a person can follow. But marketing is different for everyone. Each company, each brand, each personal brand has to experiment and do something by themselves. Do you think that that is the reason why marketing is harder as compared to other fields yeah i think with with programming it's like math you know we know what the result will be if we do this yeah but with marketing we're working with people people are often the receiver of the marketing so it's just completely different because as you say yourself depending on the niche or the industry that the specific business is in they will use completely different strategies than a business in a completely different niche and yeah. the thing is that even though you think that now you've found something that will work, then either Google or some social media, they will change their algorithms and then everything you work for will be completely ruined and you have to start all over. So marketing, yeah. there is no right or wrong way of doing it. You just have to continue to test, A-B test until, yeah, basically until you, you, you're you done with, with your job as with the marketing because you will never be it'll never be over. You'll just have to continue to try new methods to pursue new ways of acquiring clients. And yeah, that's, I think that's why also because for instance, if we take SEO, which is a huge subject within marketing, there's, of course, we know we have some guidelines. We need to write helpful content. It needs to be optimized, et cetera. But there are so many ranking factors that not even Google employees know all the ranking factors. So I think marketing, we often depend on, other platforms such as social media, Google, etc., and with with development, web development, we have everything just in our own little circle, and we can control everything, and we know what is right and what is wrong. So I think yeah. that's the primary difference between those two elements. Yeah. So do, do you think uh, SEO is still relevant, like in twenty twenty three? I've heard many people asking this question so what are your thoughts 100% 100% I think people are getting if not I'm saying scared because I'm mixing a better word but people are getting a little bit scared of SEO because of AI people think that AI will now take over SEO and there will be no room for us to get in because we can't write content as fast as AI can but the problem is that AI is summarizing content that is already on the web as a human being we can create new content and add to the web that is not on the web already ai can't do that 
So as human beings, we can still add so much value to the web and win against AI when we're writing this content because AI is writing basically general content and AI doesn't have the same experiences as we have. So when we write content, we can add our own experience. We have maybe tested different solution and what the output was or something yeah. we have tried in real life, whereas the AI is simply just summarizing the content that is already out there. So 100% SEO is still relevant. And I still see thousands of people being very lucrative from, from doing SEO, whether they're simply earning from ads or they're acquiring customers to their SaaS through SEO. So it's definitely yeah. worth it to spend time on SEO. Yeah. And the people uh, are not focusing a lot on SEO because they want uh, results instantly. But yeah. whereas SEO is, it gives results after a couple of months or a year. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because I saw a tweet today where someone was asking what what some of the skills an SEO person need to have and patience was the one mentioned the most. Yeah. Because when, when you start out building SEO in the first couple of months, absolutely nothing will happen. It'll basically be like being in a ghost town because you have no clicks, no impressions, nothing will happen. But as long as you continue to create content in that phase, all of a sudden you will see that little peak and then your clicks and impressions will start to come. They say that when you start a brand new site, on average, it takes eight months to rank. So patience yeah. is, is a huge factor with SEO. There are so many who start creating content. And then because, as you say yourself, we want instant gratification and we don't get that with SEO. Then they stop after a couple of months. And it's, it's just sad because that content that they have written, if they had continued to write, then they will just receive so much more traffic, basically, for, for their website. It's yeah. just it's just about patience, as simple as that. For sure. What 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 are your thoughts on uh, TikTok as a marketing channel? I presume you're on TikTok. I saw it on your site. Yeah, I have to, I have tested TikTok, and it's it's definitely interesting. I think TikTok is a is a huge opportunity if you do it right. Um, I. And, and I think at some point it will work for all channels, all type of industries. Right now, it yeah. doesn't work so well with the type of content that I have put out. Um, yeah. but, but it's a huge opportunity. If you do it right and you know how to make those videos, it just gets traction. You can get so many views. And all you have to do is basically publish a video that uh, attracts your target group. It's it's super difficult. Sometimes you will hit it, but yeah, there is definitely a huge opportunity with TikTok. But it will be it will be interesting to see what uh, because of what is happening in the United States right now, with yeah. the government trying to to ban TikTok. Um. So yeah, let's see what happens. But right now, it is definitely a huge opportunity. Yeah, it's actually uh, TikTok is actually banned in India. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's uh, I think it is looked down upon all over the world actually okay because... yeah i was not aware that it was banned in india yeah it, it's actually it's banned in india and has and has to follow a lot of regulation in the european union countries yes that is correct yeah because it's the data concerns and the chinese origin if you mm-hmm. of the app but yeah, I'm, I've never tried out personally. That's why I asked you. 
Yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I think like also in Europe, we just have so many regulations compared to United States and Asia. And so, yeah. so it will definitely be difficult for them. But I know that they're working on changes, at least they're saying so. But I think, I think like if they get banned in the in United States, it will be tough for them to, to have a business. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I personally, I don't think that they will ban uh, TikTok. Because the, I think I was reading somewhere, but the grilling that the Senate senators did to the CEO of uh, TikTok, it actually did not result in anything against the app. That might save them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's not getting banned. I hope they will just they'll get some some rules they need to follow and they will follow those rules and then continue from there. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah. Well, the last question: What mm-hmm. advice would you like to give to all the young builders and the young founders? Yeah, I think. I think what I would also have told myself when I was when I was younger is just to keep on trying. Like, don't put yeah. all of your eggs in one basket. Keep on trying because most likely your first eight startups will fail, and that's completely fine. But yeah, what you have to remember is that you learn so much in each of these startups, and you will get better and better. And and in the end, you will succeed. But you have to keep on trying, and this is also related to marketing. Marketing, yeah. sorry, keep on trying, test everything you can come near. And as soon as you find something that just works a little bit, then explore that more, go in that direction and test more. So keep on trying and keep on testing your marketing. That, that for me is, is definitely the, the advice that I would have liked back then. Yeah, that, that, that is great advice. Many people yeah. give up, but perseverance is really important in anything. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess that's all I have. Anything you'd like to add? No, just thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Admic. I truly appreciate it. Yep, same here. Good and pleasure. Awesome.